Don't, Chris, you're going to make me choke on this watermelon Jolly Rancher. For those listening along at home and able to see this, I'm Mm. sucking off a cucumber. Mm. (laughs) It's not good. I've not seen you in over... It's fucking delicious. I've not seen you in over a week, and I thought, I better give you a treat. Uh, Um, Not the treat I wanted. (laughs) Not the treat I wanted at all. (laughs) Your horrified expression as I just slowly raised this phallic green thing into frame. Uh, well, now I'm going to bite the tip off while you tell everybody what the fuck they're listening to. What? You? Oh, God. You are listening to the Mastication Station on the internet. It's the Big Damn Cast. With me, the one who never says his name, and Christopher Johnson, the public figure, a noted fool. And we're here to talk nearly news, geeky gossip, and all the stuff that's fit to make you pass the time until you finally expire of just entropy, just sheer thermodynamics. And this week, there are, thing, there are things to live for, though. What, what are there to live? What? Well, this week, what are the things to live for? What are the things well, that we've been living for? If anybody out there wants me to suck the cucumber, I just did that like a champ. Mm, so, mm. Um, but also, mm. <laughs> we're here to talk uh, two complete season retrospectives of telly. Yeah, uh, we're here to talk about uh, a lovely little finale of summit that everyone forgot was happening, and then <laughs> some more of it came out. And um, we're also here to talk about uh, the Hawk guy and Hawk gal Hawk and guy. their ongoing shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, Mm-mm-mm. Hawk guy. Um, That's right. And I think the audio will probably go. It well. First off, I'm just gonna sorry. I'm just gonna bite the head off of this. Oh, I felt that. Mm, the order we're gonna go in. <laughs> The problem, boys and girls, with remote recording and committing to filleting a cucumber to um, unnerve or delight your co-host mm. is that I can't go and put the rest of this away now, so it either sits here and rots or I eat it in the next few minutes. <laughs> ah! um, we're going to talk about Doctor Who Flux last, including your emails. Mm. We're going to have a little chinwag about the Hawk Guy show on Mickey's favourite streaming service. Hawk uh, Guy. Mm. Nice. We are going to uh, briefly talk about Chucky, which is now available for UK viewers to binge on Now TV and Sky Services. And before all that, though. Yeah. I watched Masters of the Universe Revelation last week. Oh, Motu Erpt. Motu Erpt. Part two. It was, um, yeah, the final five episodes of the ten episode miniseries snuck out like a, uh, well, like like uh, like like one of the snake men would sneak out of Snake Mountain, I suppose. Like a poop sneaking uh, out of a wet fart. Yeah, I mean, yours was worse. Mm. Um, Tell me about it. Yours was definitely worse. And, Tell and mine me was about incorrect because the, sna- the snake men don't live in Snake Mountain. What? That's where Skeletor's base is, so. Wait! I need to sort that out. Where do the snake men live? Uh, up your ass with that poop, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh. Plays havoc when you're on sat on the bus and you go for a speed bump. Um, Oh, yeah, too fucking right. Filthy boys. Uh, Without going into spoilers, because I feel that Masters of the Universe Revelation on Netflix uh, is best enjoyed without knowing the details. Like, it honestly is best enjoyed without you having a clue what is going to happen. But uh, all the people who got pissy about part one for a specific reason 
got all the things that they wanted in this half of the series. And what's wonderful is that they always were going to get it. This wasn't made as a response to part one. The whole 10 episodes was made together and production releases meant that Netflix put it out in two halves. And there is a nice sort of cliffhanger at the end of episode five that picks up in episode six with this. Are you telling me, Christopher, that people watched something on the internet and got pissy about it? Yeah, they got pissy because um, that the majority sound... of the first half had a female lead. That doesn't sound like people on the internet. That definitely doesn't sound... People on the internet are always so measured and reasonable. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, people on the internet can crawl up my ass and live with your bum snakes. Um, <laughs> we... <laughs> yeah, it's... We'll get the back Revelation Part snakes. 2. Oh, yeah, we will, actually. Yeah, I didn't even realise that does cross over. Uh, Master of the Universe Part... Revelation Part 2. Um, again, no spoilers, but if you're a big fan of the toys, you're going to get some obscure-ass characters making their... Some debuts and some, like, reappearances in animated form with some brilliant, like, guest stars playing those roles, uh, even if they're one or two lines. Um, you are going to get your core cast of, like, Liam, Liam Cunningham, uh, Liam Nahidi... Liam Neeson. Mark Hamill... No, 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 he's not in this. Um, Sarah no. Michelle Gellar, everybody's going to... Everybody's going to deliver. Everyone delivers. Everyone fucking delivers in this. It is, voice acting-wise, it is a fa- fantastic cast in both halves. KFC delivers. Um, McDonald's delivers now. Master of the Universe Revelation, available on Deliveroo. Not yeah. sponsored. But if they'd like to sponsor us, uh, you can start by sending us like some Krispy Kremes or something. Did That'd be nice. somebody oh. say, Skeletor? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get. I'd love to pay Snoop Dogg money to uh, to do a whole ad for Masters of the Universe Revelation, where he just casually raps about Skeletor. You give That'd him weed money, he'll do anything. Skeletizzle tours a vizzle. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's beautifully animated. The action set pieces are some of the most like pleasingly uh, balletic and elegant ones in some places, and in the case of Episode One and Two of Part Two, some of the most brutal cartoon action I have ever seen mm. while still being on that PG-13 line. All right. Um, I can dig it. Again, no spoilers, but like I'll give you I'll give you one of the premises that rears its head in part 2. Give me a premise. He-Man declares to Skeletor that the sword was always the conduit. That he lifts it aloft and screams, "I have the power, you know, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power and Prince Adam becomes the mighty He-Man." And he doesn't have the sword. It's been taken. So we finally get to see what happens if Prince Adam just summons that power raw. Oh. And it's really surprising oh. and really violent. Um, it, mm, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, if you're a fan of Evelyn, you will not be disappointed. Uh, if you're a fan of Evelyn in I the my filthy sense. Out. Oh, God. Have you got an evil innie or an evil out? <laughs> Someone Photoshop that right now. Um, if I made a takeaway, it becomes an evil alley. <laughs> oh god damn it! Um, same. I I'm just saying. I'm saying to you now, Squire. The whole show. If you binge the whole thing, it's about four hours, if that. And I recommend just plowing into it. It is honestly one of the most um, interesting uses of a very known. Ultimately, kind of vanilla IP 
Like, you know, okay. Masters of the Universe, He-Man the Masters of the Universe is, it's this one thing and this is what it does. Yeah, all right. And, and the 80s cartoon taught kids stuff. Yeah. And the 2000s version, like, went ham and did something pretty interesting with it. This one's going, yeah, but what if we break your toys? And what if we put your toys through some serious shit? Then I'll be upset. And Don't break my toys. I like my toys. This reminds you why you like them. This this reminds you what stories oh, you came okay. up with, what you, stories you came up with when playing with them, based off of just that little caption on the back of the toy packet, a little thing that tells you who the character is, and then you came up with your own stories. This feels like a kid has sat down and gone, how do I tell the last story of these toys? How do I shot web? Yes. Fly, web, fly. <laughs> go, web, go. Um... I dug it, and it was it was it was the first finale in these couple of weeks that I watched, and it was the first one that made me go, "Holy shit, people can really stick the landing." Stay tuned to see if that happens again. Um, hmm. Spoiler free, Chucky season one. Yeah, the, uh, all right. Th- the thumbnail star of our uh, of our little tete a tete this you, evening. Now you're speaking my language, boyo. Chucky season one. Uh, for hardcore fans of the Child's Play franchise, people who followed it, this is a continuation set after the most recent film, 2017's Cult of Chucky. Um, and you will get payoffs for all that. But there's a reason this has become a massive hit in the States on the USA Network and Sci-Fi Channel. And it's because it is a boots-on-the-ground beginning chapter for a young audience. It follows a boy called Jake... And his hometown uh, is Hackensack, New Jersey, which if you're a Child's Play fan, you're like, hang on, hang on, that rings a bell. But they don't dawdle on it too long, because Jake collects old dolls. He mashes them up and turns them into art sculptures. He's a bit of an outcast at school. He fancies uh, the crime podcast creator student, Devon. Uh, The two of them clearly have a bit of chemistry, but Jake's been too shy to ask Devon out. He doesn't even know if Devon's into guys as well. It's all very awkward and adorable. Um, he's picked on by the sort of the school it girl Lexi, uh, who is played with like delicious aplomb by her actor. Uh, she is, you know, those like mean girls you really love to watch because you go, this performer's working with this and yeah. making this so so unlikable. Yeah, um, but unlike an hour and a half slasher film where that kind of character would have a very obvious arc and then be gone at like the fifty fifth or sixtieth minute. <laughs> be gone, thought. Um, Begone thought, uh, giving it eight episodes, each one about half an hour to 45 minutes. The last one's an hour and five minute episode. Yeah, all right. Um, give, giving her much more time to develop and the writing much more time to play with that character mm-hmm. means they don't just go for the obvious route. Okay. Um, after taking in a good guy doll from a yard sale, Jake's abusive father meets a grisly end. Hmm. And this is the first domino to fall in a series of ongoing catastrophes that all seem to center around people in Jake's life and the tiny little plastic Iago who's whispering things into his ear. Plastic Iago, that's a great yeah. name for a band. Thanks. It, thank you very much. It's uh yeah, it is it is it it this is a fantastic teen horror uh romance dark comedy series. It is at first, it is it is sort of like lightly basted in camp, lightly and by basted. its 
And by its final three episodes, it's fucking dripping it's child's in play. camp. I wouldn't expect it to be anything but camp. Well, that's what it does. That's what it does so beautifully. It starts out more like child's play, curse of Chucky, mm. like that that more foreboding, uncomfortable feeling. Mm. And then it dips its toe into, into like black humor quite often, and really, really sort of messing with you as a viewer. Because it know it knows that if you're watching a series called Chucky. And it's got the killer doll from the Child's Play franchise in it. You know what you're in for. You know what you're in for. And you also know he's alive. But like Curse of Chucky, they they make you wait. Week one makes you wait. It doesn't it doesn't fib, it doesn't pretend that, oh, this is weird. It must just be a coincidence. Ooh. You see you see the damn thing's pupils dilating. Yeah. You see its fingers twitch. You see his eye move, but they wait. Oh, Oh, episode one is an absolute fucking stellar pilot. They make you wait. And when it happens, it is so satisfying. Oh, stylet. Yeah, well, <laughs> stylet. For new viewers, because you're like, oh my God, it's moving. For, you know, franchise fans of it, because you're like, oh, Brad, you're having fun with this dialogue, aren't you? Um, that doesn't sound main- like Brad Dourif. <laughs> The main cast is absolutely superb and is mostly actors who at the time of filming, which began pre-pandemic and then picked up again during. So this was a show that was shot uh, during heavy coronavirus restrictions. It was uh, catered to that way, obviously with distancing. Yeah. A lot of shots are cheating. And it's easy for some stuff when one of your co-stars isn't even, f- like, it can't carry well, germs in yeah. the space and is operated by several other people who can be sat at different parts of the room with their with their remote controls now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was under all the difficult circumstances with effectively, you know, a child cast. And yet, this is probably the most like charismatic and um like magnetic bunch of of cast members i've seen in a new program in a while mm. that they are a delight to watch mancini's always been who's the showrunner and head writer uh who's written every child's play movie except for 2019's remake by mgm and orion um hey Don mancini, i quite like that movie how dare you sir no no you're thinking toy story 4 <laughs> <laughs> they came out on the same day and they've both got evil dolls in them um i thought the lion's gate uh, remake was okay it just wasn't very good that's, that's that, well, that, well that explains it because it wasn't a lion's gate movie so if you enjoyed Why, the lion's gate version then that must have been brilliant and i'd like what? you to share it with the group what did please. you just say if you didn't say lion's gate orion orion oh sorry the galaxy is on the lion's gate bell i don't know i remember that men in black <laughs> Oh, fuck! We should do a Men in Black episode soon, just so we just so we have an excuse to, just to watch the first one. Yeah, because I don't want to watch Men in Black three, and I don't want to watch Men in Black International. We're talking about this at work this week. The uh, the across the Spider Verse. T- here we go. Here we're talking about it. Oh yeah, the that, across I the Spider Verse. Wa- I saw that pop up on my feed, and I've not watched. I forgot to watch it. It's all right. It's it's sort of like a preview of a scene, and then some really cool visuals of a specific dimension where yeah. everyone looks like it. And then it just comes up with a title and it says Across the Spider-Verse and then part one gets graffitied across it. Yeah. And we were talking at work today about how like, here's the thing. Um, you know how no one's favorite Jurassic Park movie is any movie released after Jurassic Park? Mm. I really hope they've got something special with this because Into the Spider-Verse is a fucking perfect movie. It is very and good. It would suck if it now just is diminishing returns. I really hope it isn't. Because visually it looks stunning. Um, 
anyway, from uh, <laughs> from uh, from from um, a notorious superhero who leaps from dimension to dimension, body to body, uh, beating up bad people, back to the doll that leaps from vessel to vessel, stabbing good people. Um, I'm going to have to open a beer for this. Sorry. Vessel to vessel. Mm. Well, I mean, we know Charles Lee Ray's a junkie. You, um, you, you, do you recall the plot of Cult of Chucky, the last film in the series? I recall it very well. So you know then that it ended with, uh, the reveal that Chucky seems to be able to split his soul into several things at once. Um, cause we had three good guy dolls, two of which got absolutely mashed in yep. at the, the asylum. One of which with his weird melty claw hand just went back into good guy mode and just sat on the couch. And, uh, another splinter of the soul took over the body of Nika. Yeah. Um, and through voodoo, through voodoo happenstance and nonsense, uh, the paraplegic Nika isn't paraplegic when Charles Lee Ray is piloting the body. Mm. Um, Tiffany Valentine, collector at the end, collects Charles and Nika's body and drives off into into the unknown, leaving uh, Andy Barkley, um, who's come back into the series, uh, locked in a cell in the asylum. So the first five episodes of this series is this brilliant contained movie about Jake and his friends, his relationship with Devon, his rivalry with Lexi. The dramas around his family. Yeah. Episode five ends on a perfect goosebump style. It's all over. Oh, wait. No, it isn't. Episode six, seven, and eight goes, you've waited patiently, motherfuckers. Here you go. Miss, T- Miss Tilly, if you would come on in. Um, oh, yeah, and, and, yes. But, but there's enough groundwork laying in the first five very subtly that doesn't take away from the new story with the new characters yeah. to allow new viewers to go, Oh, right. And plus the recaps toward the end of the series start showing clips from previous stories, previous films as well. Sort of mm. just, eh, there's a little bit of something, something. Um, you right. will get a resolution to the Andy Barkley and Kyle inclusion. You will yes, find out what Tiffany Valentine has been up to. You will get to see the wonderful Fiona Dorif playing. Are you ready for this? Three fucking roles in this show. All right. Nika, Chucky in Nika's body, which is terrifying. There is a shot in the last episode where she's straddling someone and is threatening to stab them. And she looks like the fucking puppet from the second film. Like just the way she's contorting her face uh, and the giggle coming out of her mouth. It's uh, like, but also the, the undercur- undercurrent B plot of the whole series is a series of flashbacks mm. to the life of young Charles Lee Ray. And it jumps through different portions of decades from the 60s to the 70s through to the late 80s. Each flashback sequence delivered in the visual style of home media or projection media from that time. So aesthetically, it's really nice because suddenly you're like, oh my God, this looks like a 70s TV show repeat. What's going on? Um, And you have young child actor playing Charles Lee Ray in the first couple. You have a teen actor playing him for a couple of episodes. And then when we get to the early through to late 80s, you have an actor which, on first glance, you're like, holy shit, that is the spitting image of a young Brad Dourif. It's because it's Fiona Dourif in prosthetics. She plays Charles Lee Ray in the 80s flashbacks, one of which is set on the night of... 
cult of uh, Cursor Chucky's slash Child's Play when That's he gets chased down. Nuts. And and with a little bit of little bit of dubbing that at first feels a little silly, and then you go, no, I'm all in. Um, Brad Dourif, eighties Brad Dourif is on the screen. All right, it's terrifying. Um, it it's bold. It could have gone tits up. It does not. It works so it is, well. It and is I bold. think what's lovely about this is is Don Mancini has a core group he likes to work with because he trusts them. Yeah. And he believes in what they can do. And fuck me sideways. They oh this cast man, um, uh, David Kirshner and all of his team, Tom uh, producing the exec producing it, and that made sure that tonally it feels just like it should do. Uh, Tony Gardner and the effects guys have created probably the most fluid Chucky you've ever seen. Yeah, there there is a lot more hand puppeteering in this with uh, performers removed from the shot. Okay. So he's a lot... Like, obviously, you've got your very animatronic kind of shots. There's one beautiful shot, which is in the season trailer, mm. where he's, like, ragdolled on the floor, and he just starts to sit up and correct his posture. And that's an Ooh. animatronic shot. It looks so unnerving. Um, if you're a slasher fan and you've not watched a Charles Play thing before, here's a great way to start, because fuck me, do these kills get creative. Ooh. Oh, my God. There is at least one brutal kill in every episode. Um, good. Well, yeah. yeah, I expect no less, really. Oh, oh my God! I mean, you will never use a dishwasher again. Uh, is, is, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Fucking and as hell. as the sort of the mystery of what's really going on unravels. Yeah. Um, it just adds to the zany canon of what Cult of Chucky set up. The idea that mm. motherfuckers, we've got voodoo in this series. <laughs> Why aren't we playing with it? Why aren't um, we playing? Yeah. Well, you shouldn't play with voodoo. It, it does nasty things. Uh, the last thing I'll say without... So I can't give too much away is that... Um, you will see Chucky die multiple times. Good. I won't say how that's even possible. Well, that's also something that we like from the movie series is how are they going to kill Chucky it, this like, time? Like, first film, like, yeah. burnt to a freaking crisp and cut to bits and then yeah. his torso gets shot in the heart. Second one, he gets uh, melted. No, he gets his hand cough, replaces it with a blade. He gets sliced in half in a machine and t- put, sticks a tray to his waist. And then he gets hot molten plastic poured over him and then bulged into him until he explodes amazing yeah number three it's face good. gets cut off by a halloween thing in a theme park ride yeah and then he drops into a rotary fan and gets hacked to pieces number four gets shot in the heart um number five uh his new body gets axed and and uh, uh sort of uh, bisected and all of his limbs get cut off by his kid and again no spoilers but for those of you going so Glenn and Glenda, you're going to get illusions as to what's gone on there. All right, okay. Um, but I won't say any more on that. Uh, uh, but I will say, <laughs> if you've seen a meme doing the rounds of Chucky from about a month ago, having a conversation with the lead kid. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not a monster. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. yeah. Episode two, very briefly, talks about like how his dad treated him and stuff. Yeah. And he says, like, you know, I, I, I have a queer kid. He goes, you have a kid? Gender fluid. And you're okay with it? And Chucky just, with all sincerity, just leans forward and goes, I'm not a monster, Jake. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I mean, instant, 
instant meme status, that scene, because it is just sort of this weird thing of people going, see, even this psycho murderer living in a doll yeah. isn't isn't homophobic or transphobic or like, come on. Um, that's not to say, of course, he isn't a horrible fucking person still, because he's chucky. On balance, um, though, does that make him nicer than J.K. Rowling? <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> um, because, yeah, because Chucky's body count is fictional. Yeah, I said oh. it. Um, oh. So, oh. um... You're all excited about that HBO fucking reunion special. You seem to have forgotten. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because in that one line, you get the sense that, oh, oh my God, he accepted his kids. Because in Cedar Chucky, he doesn't quite understand it. And he's very much like, no, you're a boy and all this stuff. And it's like, oh my God, in that time, he's learned to accept it. Even after his kid I mean, chopped him into pieces. If he'd been running around in his fucking... In his daughter's body, he ain't got fucking room to talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, that. Well, come on. Real life daughter. As to whether or not Glenn or Glenda are in the show, you'll have to watch. But um, I, I cannot recommend it enough. If you're a lover of horror, it's amazing. If you're a lover of the Child's Play franchise, it's fucking excellent. Um, if you if you just like adorable teen romance, I just wanna, just wanna see more genuinely relatable and not played up in a weird look at us we're trying to tick a box kind of way actual genuine heartfelt beautiful gay relationships on television give it a watch um yeah it's 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 gorgeous it's i i'm so pleased with that and i'm so glad that i definitely binged it all after it was released on now tv and didn't watch it before then because yeah. that wouldn't have been possible yeah it would have been uh, for me to watch it before then um but now that it's up everyone go watch it i recommend it if you don't mind screams and hideous doll deaths then go give it a watch um I love i'm gonna doll deaths. i'm gonna chew on this cucumber while you tell me yeah about the mysterious maya and who the fuck uncle might be oh uh, <laughs> so episode three of <laughs> hawk guy um, starring <laughs> the hawk guy and the hawk girl but not those ones uh so <laughs> Um, Hawkeye episode 3 sees uh, Kate and Clint escaping from the clutches of the tracksuit mafia and the plot's <laughs> thickening as to what exactly the fuck is going on and who's what and the beef between the tracksuits and Ronin and also fills you in on uh, Maya Lopez's backstory the, the, the woman who would be Echo and that mm. her dad was killed who was part of the tracksuit mafia and was killed by Ronin and there was a mysterious benefactor who is referred only to only as uncle as to who and <laughs> mm, mm, I wonder who, what, who that, that could possibly be um, but yeah it's who's been liking all the Hawkeye tweets it was Vincent D'Onofrio also adding adding fuel to that particular fire is um, Kevin Feige interviews this week where when asked about uh, plans for Daredevil in the MCU, he said, if, uh, you know, we are going to stick with Charlie Cox. When it happens, if it happens, you know, that remains to be seen, but we, uh, we're we going to stick <laughs> with Charlie Cox. Oh, bless him. He's trying. Oh, he is trying. He's trying. <laughs> He's trying. So, uh, that, yeah, all this is point, signs point to Kingpin. Um, watch it not be Kingpin. Uh, watch it be fucking the hood or Jack. something. No, it's gonna be Jack. Like I, I'll be honest, as soon as it happened, I went. My heart is telling me Kingpin. 
But, but my, my body, body, my body is telling me swordsman. swordsman. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I read, I reread the first trade of the Fraction Aja Hawkeye. Uh, my life is a weapon. Go get it, folks. Um, get it in your and eye. The car chase scene in this. <laughs> I was I'd forgotten how much of it. It's really clever in how much of it that they've used, but how much of it they've put a twist on. Mm, like, mm. well, they for a start they flipped it with uh, Kate being the one shooting while Clint's driving, whereas in the comic it's the other way around. But a lot of the trick arrows and the gags, the trick arrows are the same; they're just in different places. <laughs> and then of course, the rocket arrow is from the comic is replaced by just a great gag in this. It's like I did not see that coming. And it was great. Just that soft focus, a very, very familiar logo. Uh, and my brain immediately, and I'm sure it was the same, was, they're not going to, they are. They're okay. going to do it. Okay. They're going to do it. Um, it was great. Shoot, yeah, shoot my arrow. Shoot <laughs> like, arrow. And the USB arrow makes a reappearance in live action. USB arrow. <laughs> which, which, which hits more now because of what if. It's like, oh yeah, the USB arrow. <laughs> the US barrow, surely. Um... The U.S. Barrow. Is that a, is that a, is that a ship? Um, On the good ship, Barrow. Barrow. Um. So, what? Uh, I don't know what happened there. Um. Yeah. It. <laughs> Hawkeye. It remains good fun. It's spinning a yarn. It's spinning a mystery. That ticking clock is still going. The action remains really inventively choreographed and shot. Like the fight inside the uh, the the it was a, it's a KB toys, isn't it? The old toy mm-hmm. store. Um, and they, they it's compromised, so all the tracksuits have to move. And oh, um, yeah, the dialogue continues to be fun and snap it. It's good for. I mean, what do you want me to say about Hawkeye? It's good. It's, it's good fun. Continue. It took, to, it took continue down the strings this week. Yeah, it Echo, did. Echo's dad beautifully it played. Did. Scenes between him and his younger daughter. Beautifully done. Oh, what's um, his name? What's that guy's name? Mister, I was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, Mister, I was, I was fucking amazing. He uh, was pretty damn great. Um, Echo's actor, I didn't realize she genuinely had a prosthetic leg, and is also genuinely deaf. Yeah, because for a moment I was like, "Hang on, is that a thing? I'm just forgetting it." No, no, it's not relevant to the character at all. But she's the best person for the part. Mm. So they've gone, yeah, we're casting her. She can do the action. She can do the action so freaking well that, oh yeah, reminder everyone, she has a series coming up on Disney Plus yeah. at some point late next year. Alacqua Cox. Holy shit. Alacqua. Alacqua Cox. What a name. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um. Mm. Sorry, cucumber. No, it's all right. You, you crunch on that cucumber. Uh, Alacqua Cucumber Fox. I'm looking up the guy who plays... Um, Mr. Echo. Echo's my Please, Mr. Echo was my father. Zahn McLaren. Zahn McLaren. Zahn McLaren delivered. He's in all sorts of stuff. He's good. He is good. He, a- he absolutely delivered. Like the opening of this was beautiful. Um, rivaled by the scene where Clint's youngest son phoned him, and he can't hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was Jeremy good. Renner's getting given some stuff to work with. It's really nice. It is like, nice. He, he's, he is... Um, oh, excuse me. Um, he is... 
He's he's pretty good. He's pretty fucking good in this. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Like for all we like to uh, mock uh, Jeremy Renner, and he deserves mockery. He deserves that mockery. Um, he is very good in this. As is Haley Steinfeld. Like they have really good chemistry together. They they bounce off each other really nicely, um, and they're both just really fun to watch. Mm. Like, uh, mm. And I don't, I, I don't know what else I can say about about Hawkeye other than it continues to be good. I hope it, I hope it continues to be good even longer, and I dig it, baby, baby cakes, baby. Can you dig your man? So, so from we two come to it at last, amazing finales, the great battle of our time, and a fun ongoing series, we reach. <sighs> We've not talked to each other about this. Um, it, we're recording this on Tuesday the 7th Yeah, we have not of even hinted as to our feelings on either. Either way, let's, should we do it? On the count of three, just a very brief statement. What you thought of Doctor Who, The Vanquishers. One, two, three. It was shit. It was shit. I hated it so much. And if you're listening to this going, all right, bit harsh... I wish I was you. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> hate it. I just thought it was, I hate I, it, it. It, it, like a lot of this, like most of this series, this six episodes. This was. I was just like, and so I, I just. It's just a lot of stuff happening. All right, and I, I don't I, care I, about I didn't any hate of it. it. Like, I don't hate it. I like you know. I like hate Boris Johnson, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't hate. This, but I hate that. It was it was so sloppy. Mm. It was so so mm. sloppy. It was a sloppy Giuseppe. It was just it just didn't make any bloody sense. And when it did make sense, it wasn't interesting. So what let's, let's get the po- let's get the positives. That? Let's get the positives out of the way first, so people don't think that we hate hate Lady Doctor or all that shit that those who might be listening to the first time might assume. Um. I think this was some of Jodie's best work. It was, genuinely. yeah. Jodie was very in good epi- in this. In this episode, her playing off herself was so much fun. By the way, spoilers for Doctor Who: The Vanquishers. Everybody. Yeah, um, and you for already, all the flux. You already knew that when you lay down. Um, <clears throat> Jodie was incredible, and opposite herself was a lot of fun to watch. She the scene is. where she was being tortured, she was brilliant. She was so good in that sequence. Like, just the right amount of smug know-it-all to wind up the villain. It was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. Well done. Um, I think that Kevin McNally was pretty great. I think he was pretty great. It was interesting that we ended up with three episodes of uh, Mr. Gibbs. <laughs> yeah. it, it was. I <laughs> the Pirate's look. Code turned out to indeed be simply just guidelines. How long till we get a Eustatius Jericho Big Finish series? <laughs> Mm, how long? How long do we get the uh, Bell Vinder and Carvin Easter oh, big finish God. box set? Like um, I, 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 I <clears throat> Bell, Bell, and Vinder positives and stuff. Positives. I, like yeah, okay, okay. I I I really like their. I really like their performers. Yeah, they they, t- they take moments and really add something to them, especially Vinder, like finding out that they're going to have a baby and it's it still being kind of a, a not it doesn't really hit reaction but his face for like that moment there's almost this first bit where he kind of goes like 
come again? And he just looks no, you so only do it once. Like, um, excited. <laughs> so excited hey! and, and delighted. And and then later on when he, he's listing off his very boring, typical dialogue of them listing off their full title. But he mentions he's on a, uh, on a, a Lupari ship as he's doing it. And this isn't in the dialogue anywhere. It's all in how he performed that little, just that the part of that line and then continued. I immediately got that like, wow, Vinder's always wanted to fly one of these and he's so fucking delighted that he's getting to fly one. Mm. It was like, that's an actor reading the page going, yeah, I could add a shitload more to this and yeah. has just done it. And, and and I think those two did great work across the series. Yeah, and you're not what wrong. What we saw of them in this was pretty good. You're not wrong there. I think uh, Carvin Easter, I think he, the performer, did, again, did a really fun job. Yeah. I think uh, I think the mole man, the mad mole, um, I love that he felt like he was in a completely different program. Uh, I yeah, wish they treated him like, like he... a different show. I wish the show had treated him like he belonged in this one, instead of just going, and you're done, bye. Um, uh, Yaz can rock a hat. It's a good look for Yaz. Yaz. Yas, yas. Yas, yas. Um, <laughs> yas, Minkan. Also, sort um, of a, a, some sort of apology and reconciliation was, between Yas and the Doctor was nice. That was my favourite. been a dick for ages. That was my favourite scene. I, I'm going to let you in. I'm so sorry. It's like, good. But it was my favourite scene because I just, you know, wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted it to happen. Yeah. So it did. So I'm a little biased. But I think it was played very well by both of them. Um... I still think these Sontarans look fantastic. Um, they look fantastic. I think Azure <laughs> and Swarm look fantastic. They, again, and I think they look fantastic. Yeah, I um, the biggest strength this series has had is its casting. Hats off to Andy Pryor as always because everyone playing oh, their yeah. part yeah, brought yeah. something that wasn't on the page to Fucking it. Too right, and they worked their asses off. Yeah. Um, you know, like every character, big and small, from like to Diane to like the guy playing passenger, just having that presence in every scene. This just thing just stood there looking like a big bastard, big boy. You know, like everyone brought something to it i mean even even you but your guy playing swarm who doubled up briefly as time i did feel like they were two distinct different personalities two yeah. distinct different characters same with jody in that sequence it felt like it was two different people um bringing in time-honored actors that they know can deliver you know joe martin dan starkey like bringing them in to play roles here and there and flesh out the cast mm-hmm. i thought claire was lovely um i've ne- i'll be honest i've never seen better absolutely wide-eyed with utter shock and terror acting on this show in the modern era <laughs> she looked horrified like yeah. in this last one and it was like i actually believe you are in deep shit right now this mm. is this is brilliantly done believable um, peril i think the visual effects this year have been really really good except for one which was the grand serpent's little serpent it looked like it had just been fucking placed in there and then it hadn't been finished yeah he's a little butt snake his little butt snake. Uh, I thought he, again, performance-wise, I thought he was very good. And I, mean, I know you l- like a boo hiss villain, and yeah, and he was a boo. He was a boo his buddy. He was really an opportunist was buddy, yeah. mobster motherfucker. Um, the last nice thing I'll say might sound backhanded, but it's not. Backhanded. I think I, I I'm like a backhanded compliment. I'm I I applaud Gemma Redgrave for bringing something to Kate Stewart but now the downsides begin 
What the fuck was the point in Kate Stewart being in this story? What was the point in a lot of the stuff going on here? Like, it's just nonsensical. Why was the Grand Serpent suddenly invested in Earth so that he could strategically maneuver it at the time the flux reaches Earth on? Let me remind you, let me remind you, on its second journey, its second journey back towards Earth, why would he know that that was going to happen so he could then take advantage, allow it to partially wipe out the Earth uh, because of the Sontarans' interference, and then once the Sontarans have gone, he can be like, well, I'll take care of you, I'm an intelligent alien from outer space, and they'd go, yeah, we'll listen to you. Why is that a good power play for him? It's not. Why is that beneficial for him? It's a terrible power play. Why is he here? Who is he? Who is he? When he was a mysterious politician who was secretly bumping people off a few episodes ago. Yeah, that was an interesting was subplot. Yeah. It was cool. And it was like, I wonder if we'll see him again at some point. And then he rocked up immediately and has added nothing. Um, why did the Sontarans want to use Earth, use Earth to get revenge on it for before, even though there's no clear returning character Sontaran here at this moment? Um, but also use it as a trap to kill. And this is how the story worded it. All of the Cybermen and all of the Daleks. So that they then had free reign of the universe without opposition. Did the Sontarans have a rivalry with the Daleks and the Cybermen? Also, if their plan was to wipe out the Daleks, why the throwaway joke about, not the Rutans, we don't want to ally with you, you guys suck when that would have been their way of winning the war with the Rutan host, if they'd brought them along. Um, well, you know the answer to that one, don't you, Chris? No one thought. Well, oh, you know both the answers to that one. One, no one thought. And two, no one wants to do fucking modern Rutans and have to deal with that shit. They look great in the video game. That's all I'm saying. Um, oh. <clears throat> uh, I mean, fuck me. Where do we even begin with this shit? Um <sighs> It's, so why was Dai kidnapped? Why what? Yeah, why was Dai kidnapped? Leverage leverage against Dan. All right, we're gonna see that get used. No, nope. no. Nope. Okay, then why was Dai kidnapped? Why did Dai survive when no one else in that passenger survived? It's not that they that she didn't she didn't they didn't stay some. Uh, she just hadn't left. They hadn't, she hadn't been taken yet. But taken where? Again, well, why yeah. was she? Why was she the? Why was it she that was the only one who hadn't been taken? Exactly. If you were an evil villain, you were rounding up all your hostages for some nefarious purpose. You wouldn't randomly leave one of them in the prison on their own. Well, you get them all out. Did. Were they all in those? Were they all in those like data mines that we saw them in briefly last week? Which I'm guessing, based on the description of the Sontar and Psyops division was a Psyops thing where it was using their energy to fuel something. But we also saw them burn up which matches the description yeah. of the psyops thing but swarm and azure weren't involved with the sontarans no and the psychic experiments in this happened on the ship in like a little cradled um gallows thing not on random planet in the middle of nowhere so what was that then last week also why were there blue flecks of time erasing people that apparently should have been killed by the flux in earlier episodes but then they never showed up again. And yet in this, some of them were used by the personification of time. Matt, this was fucking awful. It was terrible. It was it just was nonsense. really bad. It was, it, it was, was so, so bad. It was just nonsense. Nonsensical. Just, and not I in mean, a fun way. Dan, Dan didn't need to be in this episode. No. 
that the Lupari, the Lupari were genocided. Off screen. Off screen. And then all that is said to Carvanista is, oh, sorry about your dead friends. And then we move on. Sorry about all your dogs. So they don't even, they don't even give Carvin, give Carvanista the take that, you bastards, kill all the Santarans moment. No, they give it to Eustatius Jericho, who, cool as he is. Yeah. Not just his, yeah. Only gets that moment because he fucking drops a thing. Yeah. I just... So so his death felt like forced stakes. Yeah. And it was, again, performed beautifully by Kevin McNally. Indeed. It's down to the the cast. And, you know, not to everyone else, the director of photography, the directors as well have done some amazing work this series. It's a lovely looking show. Visual effects team, costume, like, across the board, everyone has worked so hard at this, but, like... <sighs> If everybody brought the finest ingredients and the finest, you know, like China and the the most resplendent dining room you've ever been in, but what they were making was beans on toast, it's still just going to be beans on toast. It's like that picture of Donald Trump holding a McDonald's banquet in the White House. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, I've bought this for all the troops to eat on their visit to the White House or whatever. And it's like, cool, it's still a load of fucking burgers made out of pulp nonsense. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they're grateful for it, but the afterwards they'd be going, it's a shame we didn't have, like, you know, the White House kitchen make us, like, a steak or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it's like, shame we didn't have, you know, a satisfying like, and, meal. And there's someone listening right now going, I like beans on toast. Me too. It's a yeah. fucking perfect meal after a long day. But it's just beans on toast. Yeah, it's not And special. I feel that that's what... And I really hate to... I hate to use this phrase because it makes us sound like a bunch of dickheads online, but... Chibnall wrote beans on toast. He did write beans on toast. And the beans were hot and steamy, but the toast was cold and a little bit too soggy. Yeah. And then everyone worked so hard to make that soggy beans on toast. And you try you try and fold up your toast with a bit of beans on, but it just falls through the toast. Because it, it got too cold before you put the beans yeah. on, so it's all crumbly and... Oh. It, this is a this is an eight or nine part series that was condensed down into six parts. That's what it feels mm, like. True. But, it feels like it's just been cut and squeezed and that's that's just the thing. twisted and broken. It, it there's so much. It feels like there's big chunks of it missing. The runtime was condensed, but I think all the plot lines were kept. Yeah. Now they knew before filming began. Presumably, it would be a compromised project, and even if they didn't, in the edit. You take stuff out. You'd think, wouldn't you? You just take stuff out. You repurpose War of the Sontarans and you change bits and pieces and you make that an extra special next year. Or you remove Once Upon Time because ultimately it didn't really give us any answers at all. It was a fun little, oh, look, there's there's, there's, um, Joe Martin's Doctor. Cool. And? Yeah. Just, and? Uh, like, so... all it told us was that the Doctor faced off against Swarm and Azure in the past at some point. But they've been saying that for two episodes. Still don't fucking know what the deal is with Swarm and Azure. <clears throat> like, yeah, why was Azure hidden on Earth with a random person who must have known she was an alien in disguise? Like, why... Why was Swarm locked up in a base somewhere? What does it mean to unleash time? Yeah, what is that? What? Oh, God. Hey, Matt. Matt, what? the flux, it's just a cloud of antimatter. It, 
What? Do you know how you combat antimatter? Matter. With matter. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw a load of ships at it. Hang on. Hasn't it been throwing itself at matter this whole time? Yeah. That's... Wouldn't it have cancelled itself out at any other time? Yeah. It just... It, it's nonsense. Also, isn't antimatter Omega's thing? Leave it for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all he's got. It's all he's got. Yeah, Leave he's literally nothing else. <laughs> I didn't hate... Until he gets reborn as a vet. Um... I, I didn't hate the fact that we were a crumbly Peter Davison running around Amsterdam. I love it. I didn't hate the fact that we didn't find out the secrets of the Doctor's past per se. I, I didn't. I honestly didn't mind the idea that she's sort of taking it to one side and she's like, this is a big deal. Not today. I can't do it today. But I am worried that that is going to become a, I'm keeping this from Yaz instead of, I just can't deal with it right now. Do you yeah, know what which I mean? Especially after they've just sort of reconciled. I think they're not to have been a dick to her all season. If she's a dick to her again, I'm going to be so annoyed. Um, Diane not wanting to go on a date with Dan. Uh, I had to... Uh, tell me if you interpret it differently. I had to assume it's because she's just been shaken by everything that's happened. That was the implication, so, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But again, all of that was delivered through the two actors. Yeah. Not through the dialogue. Um, and... Even then, I'm like, you've just shown us that she has been an absolute fucking queen and rocked the situation she was thrown into mm. and survived. Mm. For her to then get out and just be like, yeah, but you were late to that dinner, so I don't know if it's time. It's just like, hang on. <laughs> hang the fuck on. It was time. <laughs> now, it was time all along. They wanted to unleash now, time. Her or Dan saving each other at some point in the last episode would have at least added something to their relationship and allowed it to end on a bit of a, not right now, but ask me again in a couple of weeks. Just let me process this. Yeah. Because then you could have him leaving on a bit of a, all right, maybe. And that's when they show up and they're like, if you've got two weeks to kill, do you want to come on a trip? You know what I mean? Just like you could end it on a bit of more of a, of a bounce rather than a sort of, are we meant to be sad or happy or mm. what is this? Um, the long barrow cock tease not getting sort of answered, but <laughs> implied, to, implied to be part of the doctor's past is like, okay, interesting. But also who cares? Yeah. Also that poor fucking ood. Yeah. He's trapped in a base between dimensions. It's, until he inevitably passes away of exhaustion or insanity. Almost like once we leave a location, everyone forgets about it. Hey, Mad Mole, you you done? Go about that way. All right. Okay, I'll just walk oh. out of the plot then. Are we gonna are we gonna cut to a shot of him like closing off access to the mines in his day, and kind of having a moment where he's clearly like, I did do the right thing, just to himself, and then just go off at least to sort of conclude it. No. Yeah. Hey, Kate Stewart, what have you been doing? I've been leading the human resistance. Since when? What does that look like? Since last what week. does that mean? Since last week. All right, okay. What have you done? Well, I brought the TARDIS into this tunnel somehow. Yeah. And Have you just been stood here then? Yeah. The whole time with the TARDIS? Is that what you've been doing? She's been rehearsing a big speech. But what big speech? <clears throat> exactly. She didn't get to say it. She was cut. superfluous. And then you've got this whole thing where the Grand Serpent's like, Kate Stewart. So you're like, and? It's weird, isn't it? It feels like we've missed something. He has the power to project another life form into someone's body and, like, clog off their oxygen supply by, like, filling up their fucking face and their, their arteries and stuff. Yeah. But 
he doesn't when he's got two guns pointed at him. Yeah. Also, he's half man, half snake. I guess. But not entirely, because it's a separate entity, maybe? Yeah, but it's also the same. And then his fate... Like, I liked his fate. I thought that was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, shook a villain who, like, rules over stuff somewhere where there is nothing to rule. Yeah. Like, that's kind of fun. But then also it was just him looking back at the door going, oh, he didn't even get like a like a parting shot. He sort of looks back as the door disappears, and then it cuts to the next thing. And it was like, hang on. <laughs> hang yeah, on. it's weird. It's just, <sighs> everything just felt a bit weird and curtailed and just generally a bit crap. Now, I saw Twitter trying to figure out if the universe has been reset or not. <clears throat> because as you're what, during the again one of the good scenes, whereas you're was just basically talking to the knackered doctor and being like, "Why do you like save people?" Yeah, because like, it's the right thing to do. And she's like, "Right, but what I do, as far as I'm aware, is the right thing to do. Like, who are you to tell me that I'm wrong if what I believe in is right? I wouldn't tell you you were wrong for what you believe in. Apart from you've been fighting her all season, so yeah, and we're going to keep you alive and kill you repeatedly, and so you can watch the universe die over and over again. Because what they're going to do apparently is." Use that machine at the edge of reality to reset the universe back to before the flux and then unleash it again and again and again until they get bored because they want to watch the universe suffer. But there was no big moment where they went like, we've reset the universe so we can do it again. So if the universe is fine and hasn't been like a third wiped out like it was in the first episode, then we don't know that it is because they didn't make a thing of it. If the universe is still a third wiped out, that's a pretty fucking big deal, guys. It is a pretty fucking big deal. That's a really big deal. I guarantee also, they're going the to Cybermen it. and the Daleks have been wiped out. Well, except for, except for New Year's Eve. Yeah. Except for New Year's Day. Fucking hell. Did you see the full trailer for that? The the, the TV trailer? For, no, just for the one Eve, that was at Eve the end of the, of the Daleks. Eve of the Daleks. So, so the one at the end is so brief because it's just, here we are again. Yep, here we are again. Exterminate. Our three leads get murdered. Credits roll. Yeah. Um, the teaser trailer shows the two arriving Daleks in this lockup. It's, it's a storage like warehouse. You know, for uh, when you rent out a locker and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the trailer begins again with the establishing shot of the locker place again. Uh, the Doctor Dan and Yaz okay. are there, and Dan's like, "Is anyone else getting deja vu?" And then it starts again. So it's it looks like the plot is a time loop. In this lockup, um, these two characters seemingly are aware that this happens, and there are Daleks in there. Okay, interesting. If you're going to do Groundhog Day, do it with a monster that will unequivocally murder everyone in the building. Yeah. So you can see multiple deaths. We like slasher horror. We were just talking about it. Yeah. So, sure, you know, I hate the little weird eggs they've got instead of plungers now. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand weird. it. It looks odd. I don't like. I don't hate the Gatling gun though. That looks cool. Gatling Dalek blaster. I'm, I'm here <laughs> for big it. Old, yeah, little mini gun, just I rapid am here fire. For it. <laughs> Lady with the blue box. Five rounds rapid. <laughs> um, so we never we never found out what's wrong with the TARDIS. No. But in the next story, you can see in the new trailer, like it is all cracked on the outside, like the promo artwork for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Mm. So, is that a thread that's carrying over? If so, why wasn't that a little PS at the end I of mean, the story? I mean, it's not a thread that's carrying over, because it never fucking is. Mm. It's just going to be forgotten. <clears throat> yep. So frustrating, man. What's interesting is we've all spent, not just those two on air and stuff, the world, 
who, who watches who watch this sort of stuff, have all been talking about it for the last six weeks. So it's for the first time in a while, it's it's dominated the the sort of the pop culture conversation. Mm. To flummox or fluxmux the landing this much is kind of impressive. Like I just and and I've you know I've seen others mention like you know it's it's uh, uh, they they did what they could with what they were able to do but I'm like yeah but Chucky was filmed in the pandemic and sticks its landing yeah, but did they do what they could with what they were able to do <clears throat> or did they just go well we've made six hours of TV better get it out yeah it's it's sort of become. You watch it once and you don't think about it and you have a good time, yeah. Kelly. Now, yeah, it it's it doesn't hold up to any thinking. It's become the perfect. I'm making tea while this is on in the background and catching bits of it. Oh TV. God, yeah. Which in itself is is a very disingenuous thing to do to your actors and your directors who want to tell a story and they want your full attention. Mm. I just, yeah, I. That's sad. I hold out hope for New Year's Day because I think the premise is really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, God. I always hold up, hold out hope for the next one. They could always, the next one could always be better. <clears throat> will it be? True. Probably not. Just like, will this next segment bring us some joy? Ladies and gentlemen. Well. It's time for your dirty little fingers to tap across your keys or your phone and tell us things and we'll agree or disagree. Either way, we'll read them out. The sting is long, long. Hi, Mr. Cat. For those listening along at home, Matt's cat just walked past the camera. He's been such a dick all day. <laughs> well, I'll say all day, all night. They've been in, cause it's, it's, we're in the middle of a fucking storm again, as I'm sure you're all aware. Um, storm Barra has been hitting the has been hitting Ireland, Scotland, <laughs> and North of England today. So it's fucking furiously windy and shitty weather outside. And he keeps whinging to go outside. If you let him outside, he'll start whinging to come back in straight away because he doesn't like the fucking wind. Anyway, speaking of people who keep doing things that he don't like, we've got some emails from you. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Amazing. Um, An amazing some... segue. You should be very proud of that. <laughs> that is one for the ages. Oh, my God. Um... This, oh God, it's a big one. This comes in from James and he says, Oh, James, says, oh, James, says, oh, James, oh, James. It says, That's all I've got. <laughs> big damn months part one. May contain bottles of various properties, Matt. This is your warning. Actually, upon reading it back, I'm not sure if there are any. Be warned. Uh, I don't think there are any. Uh, there are no spoilers. Um, and I th- I've seen all but one of the things that he mentions. Uh, big meaty men. <laughs> it's been a hot couple months, but now I'm back in the inbox, and I've seen some things. <laughs> so if you will follow me down this lane of content, I just threw up in my mouth from saying content. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> the Green Knight. A very good film about a naughty boy. Oh my goodness. That I'll be honest, that's the first thing I've heard about it that's made me interested. Have I not talked to you about The Green Knight? I think you said it's good. It is good. It's also fucking weird. But you didn't say it's about a naughty boy. It's not about... And he is a naughty boy, though. He's a very <laughs> naughty boy. He does a lot of naughty boy things. 
lot of naughty boy things. But he's green. He, he isn't, though. <clears throat> oh, I thought it was about a, re- a man who recycled. Oh, it's the, it's the green it's the green X code, man. It's the reboot of that. <laughs> the green X code? Yeah. Is that to make it sound more hip? The green cross code, man. Um... <laughs> Who's the lead in it again? Uh, De- uh, Dev, uh, Dev, Dev Patel. Patel, yeah. So he's the new David Prowse. Yeah, he's the new David Prowse. Uh, <laughs> do you not know that? <laughs> no, no time to die. Some people found time hmm. that they might die. A great ending to the Craig run. Ah, that looks pretty good. I enjoyed um, it. I saw it last week. I, I, I dug it. Uh, everyone died. Everyone died. Uh, midnight Mass. <laughs> oh, yes. As someone who's grown up in a Christian family, with family members who've worked in the church, more on the music side, I was expecting something different, as Midnight Mass is usually a service held around midnight between <clears> Christmas <throat> Eve and day. This has nothing to Christmas do with Christmas. It makes sense. It has a lot to say about people with certain religious perspectives. Not that it's bad that people twist some messages for personal gain. Oh, and it's very good. I've seen some, even a couple of friends, criticise it for being made up of many monologues. Well, yeah, it's a Mike Flanagan project. That's what he does. Um, all I can say to that is I'm how do sorry. You co- how do you come under budget? You write a lot of dialogue. Yeah, and have your <laughs> wife do a bunch of them. Um, I, all I can say to that is I'm sorry there weren't lots of secret ghosts. Get over it. Midnight Mass is fucking great. Uh, and I like Mike Flanagan stuff, so there we go. Uh, Dune. Very good. Very big. Very Dune. <laughs> very good very big very noon uh, sorry the Leicester Square IMAX which was a good choice give very me... good very big very noon <laughs> that should be on the poster give for the part... second one give me part two now Mr V actually that should be the pull quote on the Blu-ray yeah very, good. very big very, very good. good very noon <laughs> Paul um, Ross Paul Ross <laughs> Let's see what Jonathan can do for the next one. Uh, last night in Soho. This <gasps> yeah, is the one I haven't so, seen. I haven't so seen. So miffed, night I missed this. Yeah. Uh, what did I think? You sure you want to know? If you said no, you were cursed. It was. You guessed it. Very good. Yay! Some stunning visuals, a gripping story, and compelling characters. An excellent final performance from Diana Rigg. I didn't. Yeah, know it was. That. It was. It, it, it was Diana Rigg's last performance oh. in that film. Dame Die. Dame Diana Riggs, last piffy almonds. Uh, it, it sort of was shunted out of cinemas far too quickly for my liking, that one. Yeah. But it, but it was making room for Dune. Very big, Fucking, very good. Very Dune. Uh, I, I feel like I... <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was in cinemas for a day. Yeah, Just, it, it was... It, it was in most, in most smaller ones, even multiplexes, but like smaller ones, it was around for a week. Jesus Christ. And because... Edgar Wright, I think, I, think, I think it's an 18, so it was like a... Two or three showings max, kind poor of a day. Fucking Edgar Wright. <clears throat> but I don't think it's poor. A, you can't catch a fucking break though, can you? Like all these movies just get shat on for one or reason up, or, or another, or end up difficult to what rewatch because yeah. of. Uh, well, that's what that's the truth with Baby Driver. It's like, oh, I watched Kevin Spacey in this fucking thing, and um, Ansel Elgort. Did you see him getting dragged? When West Side Story had its premiere. No, I've, all I've seen about West Side Story is people going, It's amazing! Steven Spielberg made an amazing musical! Yeah, see? Yeah. And I just don't care. Yeah, Ansel Elgort trended because he went to the premiere and it was sort of like the first time the film's kind of really gone, Look, he's in it, he's in it, he's in it. And the internet went, Yeah, yeah, he abused women. 
You abused women. Do we really want him to be in this? We noticed that you cut him out of the first couple trailers. He's the lead. Yeah. Um, he's also apparently the weakest part of the film. So it's that weird karmic balance. And the joke has already done the rounds again of like, can we make a pact with the devil to bring back Christopher Plummer <laughs> and reshoot all of Ansel Elgort's scenes with mm. Christopher Plummer? <laughs> mm. Or anyone else, really. Yeah. Just anybody else. Sometimes Steven Spielberg makes bad decisions. Um, anyway, uh, part two comes next time. Have a good one. From a priest who just wants you to drink something that's definitely communion wine. I, I mean, James. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, filth. Filth. Midnight filth. Dirt. Dirt sniff. Uh, this one comes in from Alex. Alex, hello, Alex. How you doing on your phalanx? I don't know what a phalanx is, but I just pulled it out my ass. I keep it in Matt's ass between the snakes. And they say, Dear big, dear damn, and dear lads. <laughs> very big, very damn, very lads. Uh, poor swarm and azure. <laughs> they started off so imposing and charismatic, only to end the series playing second fiddle to Sontarans. I no can't say I expected the Sontarans to return for the finale, as I'd been satisfied with War of the Sontarans. That and I didn't think they really had the weight of other finale villains, something not helped by their mix of villainy and comedy. Wasn't expecting them to go a comic on the um, on the Sontarans this time round, but yeah. then they gave them a fucking chocolate addiction for no which, reason. Which is weird, because the idea, like, they sort of set it up with, like, they it's it's the easiest on-the-ground equivalent of the top-up of the stuff they need to put into the probic vents. But then what they did was they had the Sontaran troops in there and a greedy general sending them out so we could gorge. It was like, hang on, these guys are about strategy, so wouldn't they just get in there, load up all the chocolate, and fucking teleport back to the ships? You or think, or, or even even have a scene like an equivalent of a of a scene in a war movie where like your battalion sit down and have lunch, like they make an encampment. You could have had them all sat there eating chocolate, and just have like a throwaway thing where like one of them kind of goes, "This pitiful human food is." actually quite nice yeah. and you could have just had a very understated comedy with it and instead they went full-blown comedy and I, yeah I, I sat there watching that scene going you're all having fun in the scene but you've just undone all the work you did in war of the sontarans yeah. to, to sell us that yeah these guys are ridiculous but they're also actually a threat <laughs> you just undermine it all with the ridiculous because he, he got bribed because he got bribed with chocolate. Like, what the fuck oh god this episode really could have used a longer runtime as it seemed like they cut for time wherever they could. This series, more like. Yeah, uh, most reaction shots I can remember were cut a second or two shot, which was really jarring to watch. As much as I berate Moffat, for better or worse, his finales took me on more of an emotional ride with higher heights and lower valleys. I suppose consistency might be good for ratings, but the whole Chibnall areas felt consistently bland to me, with a few standouts that could have felt at home in previous eras. Do you think they filmed any more Dalek footage? Because to me, it looked like they just reused footage from Revolution of the Daleks with different dome light flashes. Speaking yeah. of Daleks, I'm intrigued by the next time trailer suggesting Groundhog Day with Daleks. Once more, I'll go into the festive special open-minded, but with lowered expectations. Hugs and kisses, Alex. Um, thanks for that, Alex. Um, Cheers, Alex. Ooh. 
Uh, yeah. I am, I'm kind of at that point now where like my yeah. expectations are lowered enough that I could happily watch it on iPlayer a week later and not be too fussed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, I'm, do you know, it's reset me. I feel like I'm back in series nine. Like, I, yeah, cause I, I was on board for the last two seasons. Mm. I was like excited to watch them. them. Yeah, when they, when they came out, which I hadn't done since Capaldi started, like I I I regressed to the ah uh, just watch it on iPlayer, and that to the point where I think there's still one episode from Capaldi's one that I actually haven't seen. Yeah, I can't. Lucy Lucy's the same. We're carrying on our rewatch when I get back home in January, and there's yeah, just, there's like three seasons that she saw by walking in the room at yeah. some point while I was watching it. Like that's that's how how much of a disconnect it became around that time. Yeah, and yeah. I think Series 11 won back a lot of goodwill from me. I, I was like, okay, some of these stories are missed, but the ones that hit really hit. Mm. Well, I wasn't a big fan of, you know, the the Battle of Ranscore of Colossus myself. And then I enjoyed Resolution. And I was like, okay, that's the finale as far as my brain's concerned. That was yeah. fun. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. And, and then Series 12, I liked for the most part. Mm. And Flux... Had its moments, man. It really did. It had it had its moments, but when it came time to to pay the piper, it uh, it unfortunately was like, nah. Do you know what? You can take the kids. It's fine. <laughs> it, was, it was just it was just sort of like, oh, is that it? Is that all you're giving us? Yeah, yeah. I get okay. you. I get you. It's I feel you. Bro. Madness. It's madness. Like, and I've I've noticed parallels between all the stories. Mm. Series four of the modern run, mm. it starts to tease. There's a prophecy: the Doctor's gonna die. Uh, and, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And he will knock four times, or in this case, something, something. Your the the ma of the of uh, the master. What did you say about the master? It's like, oh god, we had a TARDIS full of characters from this series flying in the TARDIS all together. But I didn't get any of that rush of joy that you get in Stolen uh, Journey's End, where it feels like a beautiful payoff and a reminder of why you love that show and the other two shows and everything. And this, it just sort of was like, and the dog's here, and the baby on the computer thing, yeah, and and there's 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 Dan's maybe date. Yeah, yeah they never really <laughs> explain what the deal is with the with the computer and the baby thing. Like, is what is happening there matt it's there and i quote episode three as yet unborn child yeah but which is a phrase that is what? completely sensical <laughs> what what is it is it a computer that is looking after the baby but it has its own consciousness or is the computer the baby are we on Rugrats slash Baby Geniuses logic? Yeah. Where all babies are actually hyper intelligent, but they just can't communicate with us, yeah, and now they is, can. Is that is that what that is? <laughs> Rugrats f- logic. Are we on Rugrats logic? Yeah. Is that where we're at? What the fuck is going on? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> what God. is happening? I just don't know. I just fucking. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so bad, and also like. Again, cover restrictions play a part, I get it, but like, it felt like for a universe-threatening story, it was a very small universe. It was very small, wasn't because it? Because these, these same three or four people kept crossing paths. 
just like I just what? Why is Vinda bumping into Diane? Like out of all the yeah. out of all the passengers being used or whatever, why is it the one that Diane's in? It just felt like half the cast was there for how it. how is how is Carvanista the one who's found Bell? Like it, yeah. it's just so small. So small. Like you can buy it if it's people connecting over a specific thing, like say, you know, again, Stolen Earth Journey's End. Like Harriet Jones, they make Harriet Jones a plot device to connect these people together. Mm. All because they all are thinking, we need to get hold of the Doctor ASAP, and she's going to try and make that happen. In this, it's like, Carvin Easter's written out the story in episode one, then pops back in episode two, then we're aware of him being in a flashback in episode three, played by Dan, and then he, he comes back at the end of episode five to bollock Bell, because they're randomly meeting, and just it's it's just me- it's messy and chaotic yeah. and kate was there sure uh, yeah just, why not uh, and it does kind of feel like a bye-bye doesn't it for her it feels like they've written that in to be like tip of the hat and it's like yeah by making her do fuck all i hope but she's just, back for the specials or one of them i hope she's back for, if not for the specials i hope that when Russell's era begins and they use unit, he goes, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to write her in. Like she'll be the head of unit and she'll mm. be the liaison. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Cause at least then you know that she's going to get at least one story where she ha- actually matters in some way. Oh, God. Oh God. I just, uh, one of those, it feels like a waste of an actress on it. Yeah. Poor Gemma. Well, not poor Gemma. She's got a paycheck, but um, Matt, just, if you want a fantastic finale, yeah, just go watch Chucky. I'll I, I will at some point. It's really good. I'll get around to it. Each episode's like thirty five minutes. You, you can binge it. It's great. And the last one's an hour, and it's it's Chucky. Chucky is like Chucky was like um, Survivors of the Flux because I got to the penultimate one. I finished the penultimate one. I was like, I have no idea how they're going to make this work. I feel like I've been enjoying it, and now I don't get how they're going to make this work. And then I saw that the last one was like 25 minutes longer than the rest. And I went, okay. And in the first two minutes, it was like, I know exactly how they're going to make this work. And yeah. I'm interested to see how they pull it off. Okay, here we go. So like it made the mistake of episode seven, not quite going, ah, see you uh... next week. It sort of went, ah, and I was like, no, what, what's next week about? And then the moment next week begins, I'm like, okay, then yeah. Whereas with this. Episode five gave me feelings of I don't know if they're gonna pull this off. And episode six gave me feelings of They've I, not pulled kinda, this off. I kinda wish I hadn't watched the series. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my They've god. They've really not pulled this off. No. It felt bad. Oh. Uh, it, it was bad oh. and you should feel bad. <laughs> I always feel bad. You specifically, because um, I'm blaming you for it. Oh, you little bitch. That's well, what I do. And, and to think, I filleted a cucumber for you. This is what I do. I sit on you. Um, <laughs> if I fits, I sit. Um, if it don't fits, I sits anyway. And to, you lot- to hell with the consequences. <laughs> do you lot have post-Doctor Who flux thoughts, sir? Oh, then we want to hear God. them. Big damn, <laughs> big damn contact at gmail.com. Do we, we want, want to hear, hear them? Do yes, we? Yes, because I'm curious. This is oh, one of those where the man. more I've thought about it, the worse it's been in retrospective. Um, I also want to hear what you think of Chucky Master the Universe Revelation and by the time you guys 
listen to this. Episode 4 of Hawkeye will be out. So if you want us to talk about your thoughts on episode 4 next week, get them in as soon as humanly mm. possible. Hawkeye the 4th. Hawkeye the 4th. Um, yeah, yeah, we want to hear your, your thoughts and things. Also, before we go, I just want to say a massive thanks to everybody who uh, tagged us and and both our individuals and, and our big damn profiles on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot this week for being in your uh, Spotify wrapped. That was lovely. That was, that lovely. was really cool. And it makes I you realise that, confused. oh yeah, people listen. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, what? Why the fuck is everyone mentioning it? Oh. Yeah. It's, 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 it's lovely to know in this big, wide fucking ocean mm. of shows when you have every option under the sun that there are some mm. folks who've listened to us enough that we've ended up in a fucking top five on their personal list. So thank you very yeah, much for that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very humbling and honestly baffling, but I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, we're, we're uh, very confused, but we'll we'll continue to, yeah. to, to, to give you bullshit to listen to, I guess, for a yeah. while. Um, we'll be back next week. Until yes, then, you it's your turn to suck something off. So, what, what are you choosing? Um, I your choose... ass snakes. I choose chaos. I woke up this morning and I chose violence. <laughs>